Hey, um, I'm Tim Bennett. I don't know if you guys know me. Most of you will. Um, this is the first time I've done a Sunday morning for seven years to the day, because it was Father's Day seven years ago, that a Sunday morning. Yeah, wow, wow, nice. So um, I'm not normally up front. I'm normally doing things on back, but I am on team here at Life Church. And Carl asked me to speak today, so I said, okay, because we generally we say yes to Carl, don't we? Um, unless his ideas are really crazy, then we put them in check, but... Um, Slightly crazy. I know I've said to some of you guys, this day you see me up giving a sermon is the day you know we're in trouble. It's okay, we're not in trouble. It's just, it's a really short session, so they've let me get up here. We're fine, we're fine. So I'm not going to speak for a whole lot long, uh, the whole time, the whole long time. Uh, I mean, Arthur's said it all. Um, I know he said everybody has troubles, but I've never had anything like that. Um, and hopefully I never do, but it's an amazing story, and our team did an awesome job putting that together. Um, Dave and Adrian have never directed, produced, or made a documentary before, so it's pretty good effort. Um, that's taken a lot of time, so we'll honour them. Right now, Arthur is on stage getting honoured for his 100th birthday at Levita, which is pretty cool. He's there this morning, um, and we're going to do something that relates to that later on, but I'll let Belinda tell us about that later. All right, we'll get straight into it. All right, so the NIV translation of Hebrews 13.8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, not being a normal Sunday morning preacher, I thought I'd better check all the other translations out and make sure I wasn't missing anything. So the King James has got Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, forever. New King James, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. What have we got next there, Mike? NLT, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. ESV, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. Keep flicking through those. BSB, NAS, they're all pretty similar until the message, which of course has to be different. But it says Jesus Christ doesn't change yesterday, tomorrow, or forever, he's always totally himself. Now, apart from the occasional comma, and or it's, I'm pretty sure that we've got the consensus around that verse. But, you know, I'm, I'm new to this, so I thought I'd better check. Let's go back to the Greek. What does the Greek word for same mean? Well, it turns out the Greek word for same means same, exactly the same, which is cool, that's good. Uh, yesterday means the past, today means the present, and the future means for the ages, or always. So the Greek checks out as well. So my conclusion from my in-depth research into this verse... <laughs> is that Hebrews 13.8 means exactly what it, we think it means. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's true to himself, and he's forever faithful to his character. This knowledge, while it sounds simple, is the basis and foundation for the hope that we have as followers of Christ. Because we know that Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever, we can be confident that what he said in the past still stands today. What he's done before, he can and will do again. Lamentations 3, 24 puts it like this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is faithful, and we can rely on that faithfulness. Now, we may not all have a story of God's faithfulness quite like Arthur's, not as intense or as amazing, but I do believe that every believer here will have a story somewhere in their life that will reflect God's faithfulness in their lives. For me, while preparing this service, um, the story from my life that came to mind was one of God's provision. Now, a lot of you know that before taking a job here at, at uh, the church, my career had pretty much been sport. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, but no, I wasn't a world-class marathon runner. I know, <laughs> I know that's what you're thinking, but I was, a, I, was a, I was a basketball coach followed by a sports administrator later on um, and spent a good 15 years doing so. Um, so moving into church was a little bit of a change for me, which is great. But I'll tell you a little bit of that story. So the story comes from my time 
post-university here in Christchurch, I decided that I wanted to go coach college basketball in the US, which was not something that New Zealanders could do in the time. And uh, a friend of mine and myself were both really keen on doing this, so we came up with a little plan on, on how to make that happen. We thought, well, let's get ourselves over to the States on a student visa and then work our butts off to prove that we're worth it and somebody would take a chance with us. That was our, that was our plan. Um, and uh, after a bit of... But a, a few coincidences, which I'm not a big believer in, um, we managed to get ourselves over there, admitted to a master's program, um, and even managed to get ourselves teaching assistantships. Now, what that meant is we taught level one papers um, and did some volunteer coaching, and they would pay for our studies and give us a stipend. Now, the stipend was very small that first year. So $723, I think, was what I was getting per quarter, um, and that had to cover rent, food, insurance, which in the States is expensive, because everybody sues everybody, <laughs> uh, and every, all that sort of stuff. So it was really tight. Now, our, our plan worked, and we both got full-time coaching gigs over the year, and we stayed over for multiple years, helped other Kiwis go over, all that sort of stuff. But that's not what the story's about. The story's about my last month in the States uh, from my first year there. So my first year, last month. So I've been studying. I was in that stipend. Uh, the season had finished. Teaching had finished. Classes had finished. I had one month left. No more money coming in. In my wallet, I had $20, and this was the contents of my pantry. Wonder Bread. Now, does anybody know what Wonder Bread is? Uh, calling it bread's probably not really fair. Um, it's definitely a wonder. Um, that stuff lasts in your pantry for months and doesn't grow mold. It's, if the nuclear apocalypse coming, get some Wonder Bread. Um, chicken of the Sea. Anybody heard of Chicken of the Sea? It's what Americans call tuna, of course. Um, or it's a brand of tuna. Um, and we'll call that cheese. We'll call that cheese. But together, it was a pretty decent tuna melt when you chucked it in the oven, and uh, it was terrible, let's be honest, but um, it was food. So that's all I had in my, in my pantry for a month, and I had $20 in my pocket. Now, obviously, the easy solution would have been to call my very supportive family back home and say, hey, I'm short on some money, can I have some money for food? But being a 22-year-old stubborn young man, I didn't do that. Um, but what I did do was pray a lot, <laughs> about it. I felt, cause I felt like God had put me where I was. I felt like that's where he wanted me to be. And I was kind of miffed that, why am I going to go a month without any money or food? That doesn't make sense. So I prayed about it. And after a lot of prayer and sorting my bad attitude out, <laughs> what followed was the most uncanny run of dinner invites, free feeds, and a couple of out of the blue invites to coach some summer camps, which had accommodation, travel, and food provided. So there's two weeks covered straight away. At the end of my month there, this was what was in my pantry, <laughs> which I threw out and didn't have to eat, which was great. The $20 was still in my pocket, and I spent that on my way home to New Zealand in airports. And that is a 100% true story. While I was home in New Zealand, I found out that our stipend had doubled for the following year, and that the university I was coaching at was giving me a meal plan for the following year, so I didn't have to worry about food at all during the whole year. So I returned back to the States for my second year, knowing that money wasn't going to be an issue. You see, God's faithful. If he can feed 5,000 with a loaf of bread, a few loaves of bread and some fish, he can feed me for a month with Wonder Bread and tuna. <laughs> if Jesus can send a giant fish to swallow Jonah and keep him alive inside that fish until he reaches his destination, then he can certainly provide Arthur with a mattress and an onion to keep him alive until he reached land. If he can provide Arthur what he needed to survive over 48 hours at sea and over three and a half years in a prisoner of war camp, then he can meet your need today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever. What he said in the past still stands today. What he's done before can and will do again. 
Now, the Bible tells us a lot about Savior, and here's just a small list of what the Bible tells me, what God has said and done, and therefore what he can do again today and do in the future. In my Bible, I read that Jesus gives life to the lifeless, mobility to the immobile, and sight to the blind. He gives hope to the hopeless, peace to the distressed, and provides for those in need. Death holds no power over him, darkness is afraid of him, and evil trembles at his name. Jesus stills the water in the middle of a storm. Jesus' creation bows at his command and groans to speak of his greatness. Jesus forgives the unforgivable, fixes the broken, and redeems the unredeemable. Jesus loves. He loves all that were, are, and ever will be, and paid the ultimate price on our behalf. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What gives us hope is that we can trust that what he's said in the past still stands today. What he's done before, he can and will do again. So what is it that you're believing for today? What story can you share with others that demonstrates God's faithfulness in your life that might help others find hope in Jesus? Tell your stories. Declare his greatness in your life, as his goodness in your lives. There's power in your personal testimony. You see, when we tell people our personal testimony, it's really easy for people to try and discredit the Bible or try and discredit some preacher they don't know as lying. But if you've got a relationship with somebody and you tell them the truth from your life, you're giving them an option. Believe you, think you're crazy, or then call you a liar. People don't like calling you crazy or believe you or you're a liar. So share your story with people that you've got a relationship with. It'll make an impact. So we've established that God's faithful. What should our response be? I think faithfulness is a two-way street. God's faithful to us, and we get to choose our response. This is not always easy. If it were, we would find more examples of people in the Bible who got it right all the time. But as we know, there's very few. David, who was described in Acts 13.22 as being a man after God's own heart, made heinous mistake after heinous mistake. Abraham, who is sometimes referred to as Abraham the faithful, or the father of the faithful, tried to take uh, the completion of God's promise into his own hands on a number of occasions. He lied about his wife being his sister, putting him directly in harm's way to protect his own skin. Had a child with his servant instead of waiting for the child God had promised him with Sarah. And these men were lauded and rewarded for their faithfulness in the Bible, and are certainly not perfect role models. But we can learn a lot from their stories and strive to be faithful in our own lives. And I'm sure we'll make mistakes as well. Remaining faithful in the good times is easy. It's during the times of trouble that it becomes hard. So here's two times that being faith, that faithfulness is difficult but important and can lead to great breakthrough in our lives or the lives of others. I think it's up on the screen already, but being faithful with what he puts in front of us. Often the answers to our prayers don't come in a nice, tidy, easy solution that just requires a thank you, Jesus, and boom, our life's good. Usually it requires some work from us. For Arthur, it would have been much easier for him if God had floated a nice box of fruit past his way instead of an onion, or a piece of debris that wasn't hard to get on top of, or a boat that would have been quite nice. But no, Arthur had to choose to make the most of what God had given him. If he'd refused the onion, or given up trying on the first or second time to get on the mattress, would we be celebrating his 100th birthday? I don't know. I don't know. It would have been easier for me to turn down the summer basketball camps because they're hard work, and stay in my apartment and go, man, why is there no food coming? But no, I had to faithfully make use of what God had put in front of me. It would have been easier for Jesus to not go through the pain of crucifixion to save the world, but he went through the plan that God had put in front of him. He was faithful to what God had put in, faith in front of him. So choose to be faithful with what God has given you. Number two, remaining faithful when we feel God has not provided an answer. So what do we do if we don't see the breakthrough we're hoping for? We've got a decision to make, don't we? We can wallow in our disappointment, or do we choose to remain faithful, thanking God for what he's already done for us and continue to believe he'll be true to his promises? Now, I told you I wasn't going to speak for long, so team, you can start coming up now. I'm almost there. 
Edna prayed for four years for a man she had never met, with no news of breakthrough, but she remained faithful to what she believed she'd been called to. Abraham was an old man before he saw any of his descendants that God had promised him, and, God did, and he did not have Isaac until he was 100. Now, Arthur's 100, right? Imagine if he had a child today. Like, that would be a long time waiting. He didn't, Abraham didn't see the fullness of God's promise to him before he died, but he chose to continue being faithful to God and believe that God would fulfill the covenant that was made to him. The same may be true for some of us. We may not see God's, the fullness of God's promise while here on earth, so we must choose to remain faithful. Because the reality is, he's already done more than we could ever ask by taking the weight of our sin on his shoulders and putting it to death on the cross for us so that we may have everlasting life in the presence of the Father. So when things are tough, when we feel God has not come through, we must choose to continue to praise him. We must choose to seek his face. Even when we don't understand the what's, why's, or when's, we must choose to trust that he has us in the palm of his hand and that he makes all things work together for the good of those who love him. Faithfulness is a two-way street. God is faithful to us. We have to choose our response. On this Father's Day where we're celebrating fathers and reflecting on our earthly fathers, what they've given to us or what they haven't done for us, it's also good to, uh, to choose to reflect on what our Heavenly Father has done for us and choose gratitude, choose hope, choose to believe that he'll continue to do great things in our lives as he has done before, choose to live a life that honors him and choose faithfulness to an unchanging God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever what he's done before he can do again what he said before still stands now thanks guys